the Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon Tournament Finals. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, they're going to be on August 7th at 14 UTC. 14, 14 UTC, August 7th. The finals are happening then. We have six players. Yeah. Uh, everyone that lost, lost. They're all losers in the dumpster with all of them. And we only have <laughs> six good players left. And then from those six, five of them will be ruined Actually forever. Actually not good, yeah. Humiliated mm-hmm. in front of hundreds of people. I'm going to, that's a called shot. At least 100. Nah, I'm going to call called shot hundreds of people. Okay. Show up August 7th. 14 UTC, which is uh, 9 a.m. Central Time, yep. 10 a.m. Eastern, and so on, and so on, and, and so, so on, on, and, and so, so on, until forth. you get to 14 UTC. Until you get to 14 UTC, show up, or you're nobody, and you're dead to me, okay? <laughs> this is it. We worked kind of hard. Uh, We've please, done a lot here, so please make it, make uh, show up for the big one. Show up, or I'm going to come around your house. Mm-hmm. He and, will. He does this. Yeah, and cut, just cut. You, you all wonder why you don't see Magi anymore? It's because he didn't show up to last year's finals. Did he not? I thought he did. I'm pretty I sure he was in the I chat. Was bit, I'm pretty was ju- everybody shows. Anyways, up. we should start the show. Yeah, go ahead. Toss it to uh, us in the past. Uh, dumber, actually. How about we clown on ourselves for a second? Because we yeah, know we, we can't respond. Look we at all the things we didn't know. Dummies. Yeah. Uh, let's. So yeah, cut to these two idiots. Don't listen to them about anything. This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 204. Talking T.I. with Tim Pratt. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, so what you just what you heard, that announcement you just heard, which we have not heard. We are we do not know. We don't know it. What was just announced as far as the date for the finals. But it is presumably Yeah. barring Now, if you haven't heard anything, that means something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> we didn't we and didn't find out maybe that if, we are allowed to do the finals at if all. If you yet. didn't hear a Oh my god, we got to we got to let's let's build it for this. If you did not hear a date announcement for when the finals happen, <laughs> could you just message Matt and be like, "Hey bud, how you doing? Is everything <laughs> chill?" cuz he's in meltdown mode right now. Just imagine he is in his room in klaxons like it's like red rear rear <laughs> and it, we are the and basically the show is ruined and we are going down. And this is releasing on a Wednesday. I haven't slept since Sunday. Yes, yeah. He he has been awake. He's like having he's like negotiating with foreign diplomats yeah. right now, essentially. He's like calling people's work. Yeah. Talking to their bosses being like, Will you please give "Why him not? Day off. Can you just can you do it? Can yeah. you swing it?" He's like going to sue to try and make it happen. Hopefully none of that happens. Hopefully hopefully you just heard a date and that's so exciting yes. that there's a date for the finals. So the so finals exciting. is happening at a time. Yeah. And you know what? I want to go ahead and throw this out out there. Never again yep. will we do this to, from, my, to <laughs> myself. We, the finals next year. We're going to tell you the finals for next year like tomorrow. Yeah. Like you're going to hear it 
and it's set in stone. Right. And if you can't make it, tough. We're yeah. going to figure out a way to make that work. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'll basically, like, I'll call a shot right now, and it's like, finals, July 9th, 2022. I don't know, something like that. That's when like the that. finals that's are next, <laughs> next year. And you just know from the beginning, yeah. Um, because yeah, it's just it's just it's just it's getting to be a lot. It basically makes promo impossible. We said this last week, but sure, it's just sure. like it's it's insane. Um, Speaking of last week, yeah, we have got some errata for you. If you don't know, errata is a segment on the show where it's basically our mailbag. It's just a mailbag where we talk about things we said wrong. We're not really gonna do that today, but some discussion after the errata. We have an interview with Tim Pratt. Yeah, so we got to talk to Tim Pratt, author of the Fractured Void. Uh, the first Twilight Imperium book. Um, he's currently working on book two. He's uh, fin- He's really he's finished. He's finished. Book two. They're sure. working on releasing book two, sure. the Necropolis Empire, and he's working on book three, which yes. we get kind of a tiny tease at. But we'll, let's let's get into our mailbag stuff. Let's talk Arata, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, very excited for the for the Tim Pratt interview. Yes. Uh, first up here. Uh, from Oki Professor, I'm starting to wonder, is this another one of those things that everyone who's super active on Reddit or the Discord already knows what this episode is actually responding to? I feel like I kind of walked into one of those rooms where everyone in it stopped talking uh, while in the middle of an argument, and now everything that gets said has a lot of extra weight it's funny, between hey, each line. Matt, it's funny you reading this because you, we didn't actually explain I know. what the last I was, week's episode was. That was intentional. Oh, that's funny. So <laughs> it was windmaking was what we talked about last week. And uh, it would have been good to hear that first and then hear what Oki's responding to. But maybe that's the problem. Maybe Oki's <laughs> calling us out on something deeper, deeper, <laughs> which is, you know, we like to do this show like it's an ongoing. Some topics are just an ongoing conversation with the audience, um, except for maybe not because mm-hmm. maybe you're not participating in that conversation all the time. So I do feel like there were some failings last week as far as making the windmaking episode a introductory course. Yes, right. Now we we did do an episode on windmaking a long time ago, but man, so much has changed. So much I, has changed. I haven't even li- I haven't re-listened to that episode and I I have no idea if I could stand by anything we say in that. I episode. don't know either. I yeah. really have no idea and I wouldn't re-listen to that cuz I hate the show. So I'm not listening to it <laughs> cuz the show sucks. But I I we could have done a better job of like getting into it. Do we maybe want to take that opportunity yes. right now and just correct that? Like what well, is windmaking? So what does that mean? All, all well uh, this is a this is a the problem with it is this is what we did in the episode where we tried to define it and we went oh god how do you where do you start yeah it's impossible buddy. but it's just like somebody you know like somebody some, was supposed to win supposed something happened to. and that person's not going to win anymore yeah. and you're upset about it right. now there's a lot uh, there's so many ways that can happen the simplest way the, the definition I wanted to fall on was if you give someone a support for the throne for their tenth point. That is very clearly and obviously win-making. Yeah, right. There was nothing else outside of you just giving them the win. Right. Done. Sure. So that is win-making. Yeah. Now, you extrapolate that, and people go, well, your action did this, which resulted in this, and that's what made it win-making. And so, like, you you can take you can go multiple steps backwards from that, but in the simplest term, t- win-making is support for the throne for the 10th point, which is a mechanic in the game. So guess what? Even it is allowed. Right. Yes. Yeah. And nothing is a... I mean, nothing about that is against the rules at all. Right. Um, there's nothing There's nothing to stop you from, hey, let's say you're playing a six-player game, and one person is has five points, and the other five players all decide to give their support for the throne right. to that one player, right. and then that player wins. That is, um, Dane built the game to be played that way, right. and it's his fault. <laughs> it's all So I don't know. Dane. I mean, yeah. I don't know why you're mad at us about yeah. any of this. Yeah, I mean, I don't th- actually, I'll say this. Last week, we talked like we were going to get yeah. a tsunami 
of uh, negative uh, takes on our take. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. We did not get that. No. That did not happen. It's been so, fun. so, uh, and that's another thing, Okie Professor. You take that right there. We didn't even get the negativity. Uh, so this is not one of those weird Reddit Discord things. Yep. This is actually, we're all just having a friendly, nice, sweet conversation. Now, do I want it to be friendly and nice? No, I'm trying to fight, yeah. okay? I'm in a fighting <laughs> mood. I was last week, and I am this week, all right? So you watch it, Okie Professor. I You live near me, okay, yeah. comparatively. We, we have a couple takes here. Um, none of these, obviously, this was all a subjective conversation, so there's nothing we got wrong. There's no strategies. We're, this is all part of the conversation, and we're not going to even be done here. We're doing this as some errata to kind of fill out this episode, but we're going to do even more of Did this. Did you down say the road. this is filler? Did this you is, suggest this, this is right filler? now is filler. This We're, is not filler. We, we will bite within a couple weeks. We'll have three episodes about wind making <laughs> under our belt. Realistically, yeah, that's true. So we want to do a round table where people come on and actually talk through yeah. some of this stuff. Yeah. And, and and but but for now, let's just do some of these responses. We've got Sun Tzu. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Sun Tzu had some stuff to say about when making. <laughs> about the art of war. <laughs> uh, so to begin off, my goal always when I play, uh, when I begin a game of TI, is winning. And an integral part of that for me is justice. Justice. Justice being you getting what one is owed, according to Plato. So I agree with Matt and Hunter's definition. Throwing, using your game to help someone else win to the rational goal and win-oriented mind such as mine, whenever someone helps someone else win without benefiting themselves, I cannot understand this. Justice seems to not have been served. Turns out, unlike some people, I like philosophy. Yeah, well, not here, bud. You you tone it down. Why wouldn't they try to stop that person instead so that they could win? If they definitely can't win, why not just stop interfering or attempt to take out the table leaders? I think a lot of it is just the process of creating a grand strategy that is ruined through what seems like win-making. What this analysis takes out is relationships and humanity. And although I still don't really understand it, people have different goals and focuses in a TI game. Big Al explained this to me in a previous game. And this game is made up of people, not robots. So anyways, good episode, man, and I enjoyed it. Aw, thank you, Sun Tzu. Um, we're always trying to impress you, Sun Tzu, you <laughs> historical figure, you. Um, didn't know you were still alive, but and not does not surprise me that you listen, actually, though. Um, does seem like your cup of tea. Uh, no, done with Sun Tzu jokes. Uh, this is one of those funny p- bits of errata where they kind of respond to themselves. Yes, like, they're like, here's my take. Also, I'm going to cool it yeah. at the end. Um, but how about this? So we'll kind of respond to the idea that Sun Tzu yes. was expounding, even though we get that this particular listener did under sort of like kind of understand not they're the self-aware. error in their ways no, but they're like just, just self-aware kind of, the, of their argument and, yeah. and recognizing yes. that they can't which i actually assess. appreciate i'm actually glad we're reading this because this is one of those one of those like kind of grounded uh bits of errata that we don't always get yeah um but yeah so the idea that like you know justice is involved or that that every player uh should kind of follow a morality of playing to win mm-hmm. i think is great for chess but Twilight Imperium <laughs> is a messy yeah. game. And, and and that is the, we've built our whole lives, me and you, Matt, yeah. on the idea that Twilight Imperium is so messy that you would need two people to talk about it every single week. Forever. That's how messy it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it that's that might even be a bad aspect of it. We don't even know. At this point, we're so <laughs> deep in the matrix, we have no idea if this is good anymore. Right. But I think... I really like something you were trying to go for last week, Matt, which was the idea of it not necessarily 
uh, being out about this mechanical or like kind of robotic way of thinking about the outcome of the game, but so much of it being more about an emotional dimension. Like how come we don't, even in our um, kind of critique of win-making, use a more human approach right. to how we're talking about it. Like, like, was this win-making uh, malicious? Right. Was it meanie pants win-making? Right. Or was it just like, well, they had to make a choice? A and byproduct choice? of where we got led. Yeah, right. I, I agree completely. It's it's We aren't mad at the act of win-making. Yes. No, one's just, no one just hates win-making. Right. What you hate is bad behavior. What you hate is someone who you feel you did something to you Without cause or without justice or without, like, a reason. Or if you're the person getting win made against, yeah. you just hate win making right. in general. Yeah, you're you, just like, you, I wanted to win and I felt like I deserved the win. And and sometimes the person that deserves to win doesn't win. Right. And even as even if, let's say you do some sort of nice, you know, nice guy win making scenario or yeah. something. And then, it, but the person that, that really felt like they played the best or had the, had the best game... Uh, didn't win yeah uh does that can that still feel bad i feel like it can but that's why i'm so into my kind of seventh player way of thinking about it where you think about well okay so that player made some good decisions and some good calls but also if anybody is really in contention in twilight imperium a lot of times the seventh player has helped them a little bit in some ways so even their good position is built on a little bit of like Rando swerving. Right. Three of the points, three of the 10 points you score in this game are randomly given to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those three points are like impossible. And sometimes it's like, oh, I'm nomad and I already have my flagship. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about how like this is like a not even this is sort of related, but like the custodian's point is kind of a randomly awarded point yeah. based on chance. Who got speaker the like, first round. Right. Yeah, like totally what your position relative to speaker is. Uh, and if you are a faction that can Get even there. scoop it up. Right. And, and it's then, like a critically important point. Yes. Like we talk about, we've given it a name of guac to signify the types of points that you just have to find. And custodians, someone just gets to have that. Someone just gets it. It's it's basically, I mean, it's up to you to notice that you've been chosen. Sure. It's up to you to to do to act the kind of that. simple things that you have to do to make sure that you actually scoop it up. But sometimes you see people not do that. That's so true. whatever. But the point here is don't act like at the end of the game that uh, something is owed to somebody else. Yeah, We're going to talk about that in a bit. We've got, dude, we've that, got more errata. But, that is exactly that yeah. is exactly the part of that way of thinking. The, the part justice being what one is owed that with Twilight Imperium versus like a cleaner game. Yep. It is very hard for you can make hypotheticals and you can say obviously in this hypothetical I built someone was owed something they didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like most of the time it's actually way messier than that exactly. in real life. Anyways, go on to the next. Uh, one. Garrick samples ha- had a lot to say uh, and gave a great quote that I want to lead with for the rest of their audit, which is when playing a game, the goal is to win, but it is the goal that is important, not the winning. Yeah. So this is. Feeding to that mindset that like, well, I'm supposed to try to win because that's the only way the mechanisms of the game operate is that we are trying to all score points. Mm-hmm. If I'm not trying to score points at all in TI, yeah, that that stinks, right? That that would be kind of crazy if someone was like, I'm going to intentionally never score a single point and only do other stuff. Now, that's honestly 
still a, an interesting still game valid. that now everybody else has to navigate that one player. But, you know, the thing we get mad at is so often one play. It's like, I'm just going to kill Mentak. Well, okay, that's yeah. that's mean. That's mean to do to a friend. That would be like, I'm going to well, play but basketball. Well, what did this Mentak do? I don't know. I'm, 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 kind saying, of... I'm saying I'm just mad at Kyle. It's like me showing up to the basketball court and being like, I'm just going to guard Kyle and never let him score a single point. What did Kyle do? <laughs> That's my question. I'm sure. like, I'm not ready to take a side. You Anyways, know I mean? Garrett, Garrett goes on to say, I tend to see the game as over the moment any of the players cannot play to win. Certainly, we can still keep playing and have an experience with some newly defined the game. But if all the players cannot make decisions that advance their position towards victory, then the incentive structure has collapsed at its most base point and thus cannot continue to exist and this is largely why i'm not overtly bothered by king making that occurs after that point the game in its original form has ended and can only continue in a new form with a new incentive structure right yeah like what are these people supposed to do right like if when you have the thing of like do yeah. x and so and so wins or do nothing and the other player wins well that th- none of that is none of that really is win making anymore that's a decision the game has forced upon them and you just have to make a decision. It's you, you're well, not I, taking any sort of I, that. That's where I don't, generally speaking, buy into the idea that like you should just do nothing. It's like no, because doing nothing isn't nothing. It is something. Yeah, doing nothing. Yeah, I really like doing nothing. Is something actually. Um, I I like this very. Let, let's talk about root a little bit. We didn't talk about yeah. root at all last week. Yeah, and I do feel like this. Uh, the I agree with what Garrick is saying, and I feel like, um. In a cleaner game, this is, like, basically perfect. Exactly. I basically agree with every single thing about this. Um, but, like, because, like, in Root, Root, you can see... Or, actually, let's start with Oath. So, in Oath, what's so perfect about it, as far as uh, when talking about win-making, is that the win state that someone is in is so visible. There's yeah. literally, like, a little banner. It's like binary. It's, it yeah. is, you have this thing, right. or you do not, and there is no way to on your turn, acquire a condition for victory, and then win. Yeah. Every single win is telegraphed a turn ahead of time. Everybody gets one chance to respond to right. anybody who might be about to win. Right. And it's not so much that it... I'm not trying to say, like, there. there's hidden information in Oath. You're not going to be able to tell exactly how things are going to shake out. But it's the equivalent of, like, the person that's going to win gets a big hat. Yeah. And it's a right. giant hat exactly. they wear. And it's like, oh... That's the person that's, that's going to win. Ferguson, and yeah. he's going to win. <laughs> Turd Ferguson <laughs> is winning this game right now. Uh, so yeah, like like Oath has kind of that structure to it. Root is then I would say there's kind of a layer of uh, ambigu- ambiguity. Yep. Uh, for Root, where it's like you can call probably about how many points somebody is going to score right. on their next game or on their on their next turn. Uh, and then figure up like, oh, this person's going to get to 30. Sometimes it's difficult yep. to uh, theorize exactly how many points they're right. going to score. Sometimes people pull out an extra point they weren't supposed to score. And right. that happened to be, you know, their point that took them from 29 to 30. There are some secrets in route that are, are limited enough to where you can still read the board state and be within a decent realm of possibility. Right. TI, you can have a six point swing round. Sure. <laughs> It's even it, I would say like the 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 only part where I kind of differ with what Garrick is saying is in this uh, kind of hypothetical world of oh we are beyond the pale yeah. as far as like whether you are able to win or not I feel like Twilight Imperium 
is just too weird. It weird it's stuff always happens. beyond that pale. <laughs> weird stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And suddenly somebody who supposedly was had no shot mathematically, it wasn't going to happen. Yep. Uh oh, we're going to another round, and they're the speaker. Like yeah. something like unexpected weird stuff happens all the time because Twilight Imperium has a lot of randomness built into it. Right. Okay. Right. And and honestly, that's why sometimes uh, Root gets me so much more excited because what I always want TI to do and where, where I always get pushback from smart players, players smarter than me, is I, I wish people dragged each other down more. I wish we got in the way of each other's paths to victory throughout yeah. the entire game. Like entanglement for Root. I wish there was yeah. proper entanglement. And there, there isn't. And there's a lot of valid reasons we can get into why TI doesn't have proper entanglement. Trading. Like, yeah. Tra- I mean, I'm going to trade with you. There's a just, point for a point, the, my friend. Yeah. There's too much. There's too many floats all boats. Why things. hurt each other when we can help each other? Right. But in Root... You, you have to do that because the board state is this ecosystem that's constantly evolving and more often in route, you are barely doing anything to further your own ends and you are specifically trying to keep the ecosystem in balance because the second one player pulls too far ahead in route in, in whatever way that is important to them, there's no stopping them. Right. When Woodland Alliance gets past a certain threshold, that's it. Right. We, we will not be stopping the Woodland Alliance. And so everyone isn't trying to stop the Woodland Alliance from getting their 30th point. You're right. trying to stop the Woodland Alliance from getting any traction at all so that they can get their 10th point. Or like to, yeah, exactly. To kind of, to I was going to say like the 14th point. Exactly. It would be like, no, we can't let them get the 14th point because after the 14th point is the 30th point. Yeah. So 14, 30 is right. how you count when you're playing a Woodland Alliance, something like that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I like putting them all on kind of a continuum of like, so we've got not a whole lot of un- hidden information with Oath and yeah. like, and like it's, it's, it's very like, here's going to be the winner. Right. And then there's root where it's like, okay, a, a little more like not t- totally sure what's going on here, but a lot of it is like predicting yeah. how many points somebody's going to be able to score next round. Uh, and it, you can walk through it and be reasonably close to right. Right. And then there's Twilight Imperium where, uh oh, somebody did something that uh, was completely unexpected, and now that has caused a whole new universe yep. to start based off that weird one thing they did and an interaction between that and this action card I have that then leads into me being able to do something positionally I wasn't going to be able to do. And uh oh, round six is here, and the balance yep. of power has completely shifted. Exactly. Um, do I think, uh, when talking about those three games, like which of those perspectives is the best? Uh-uh. I think of it more like we're wrestling, okay? <laughs> it's wrestling. It's really fun. I like the storylines. But at the end of the day, a lot of this is random swerving weirdness. Yeah. And the and you got to embrace it. You got to embrace the weirdness and just say, yeah, it's, it's a weird game. Sometimes very strange stuff happens. Yeah. And that's that. I always like to try and keep that baked into my perspective when it comes to discussions of when making, when it relates to TI. Yeah. So to close off the Serata, we have some. Uh, we we received an essay in our email inbox. Oh from, yes, yeah, from yeah. Rook, Rook, Rook. It's Rook. It's uh, Rook. Anyways, there's a lot, but I'm going to give their closing, their more or less closing remarks uh, because it's beautiful. This is a beautiful little essay we received. It sucks to come to the brink of victory and fall an inch short. So much more so if there was nothing that you practically could have done to change that outcome. It can feel good to blame someone else or to blame ourselves or to find a reason why we lost. The windmaker didn't steal your victory. The winner isn't less victorious because their ally helped them. You didn't lose because you suck or were bad. It just wasn't your game. Boy, that is something Matt needs 
in his ear. You need to hear that. <laughs> all the time. Yep. To quote the final arbiter of all things moral, Captain Picard, <laughs> it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not weakness. That is life. All the more poignant if you consider the episode it's from. That's part of why I love TI. It's not a great strategy game or a negotiation game or take that game or resource management game or war game or exploration game. It's great because it mixes all of those things together and in doing so forces us to confront the people we are playing with. It can be unfair and petty and mean and rob you of everything you deserve and reward those that haven't earned it. And in that, it is one of the most lifelike games I've ever played. And for that reason, I will never get tired of it. Yeah, great Picard quote. Um, actually from like an episode that some people don't like, uh, which is the best thing about Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> is even Hunter, on... If you bring up Star Trek, Hunter will make this a podcast about Star Trek. <laughs> that is the known variable of... Space Cats Peace Turtle. Yeah, uh, and that was from an episode called Peak Performance, um, which, which, yeah, like I said, not the best thing about TNG. It's like, yeah, you get these like beautiful little nuggets, even in, and I'm not, I, this is not a judgment on Peak Performance because I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I've just been reading a lot about like what people think yeah. about different episodes and stuff, and I find that people kind of smack talk that one a little bit. Um, but that quote is, oh my God, Dynamite. so good. Yeah. Um, what was what was the rest of it about? Because I kind of just the time like thinking about a, TNG. Yeah. No, sorry. it's it, it's TI is a life simulator more than any. It's not oh, a yeah. strategy game. It's a game where you are more so than almost any other game pitted face to face with your opponents, and the game is all above the table. Yeah. I what it needs to me is some sort of dating aspect, yeah, exactly. relationships, yep. stuff. Uh, I've been working on a mod where, like, you uh, try to attack another player, but you, the the captains of your ships have fallen in love now, <laughs> and now they're they're actually leaving, and so you could not predict. I mean, to be honest, like, if you're laughing right now, uh, uh, this is exactly what Ti does. Yeah, it's like, hey, sure. you wanted to do something, but actually, surprise, that's what not going to happen, and this? a completely different thing yeah. is going to happen now. <laughs> Did you plan for that? Are you some sort of super genius? And actually, I mean, all the game is is just getting to know all the horrible things that can happen to you and either planning around them or at least just remembering that can happen. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, you got to remember. And then and then you listen to us on our show being like, yeah, you got to remember sometimes that the captains fall in love yeah. and then they're in love. <laughs> that's just like something you got to you got to keep that in mind. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, OK, that that's that's a sufficient continuation of the wind making conversation. We will have more. <laughs> Matt's review of that was it's sufficient. No, uh, I, <laughs> I'm just saying this. This conversation never ends and, yeah. and we will we will never be done. Yeah. Get get hyped uh, for the upcoming uh, roundtable discussion. Um, we we would have uh, tried to do them back to back, but uh, our lives are impossible right yep. now. Um, so we w- we will try and make it happen as soon as possible. Too think busy. maybe next week. Yeah, probably we- next week is a, is the roundtable. Not not finally. full commitment, but it is yeah. it is possible. We'll see. Um, but for now, for today, we have our interview with Tim Pratt, the ooh. author of the Fractured Void and the upcoming Necropolis Empire. It's really good. I'm excited for you to listen to it. Uh, have fun. We are here with Tim Pratt, author of The Fractured Void and Necropolis Empire. What is wrong? Nothing's wrong. No, I, lo- I love your intro. I'm enjoying it. A hey, lot. Tim. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Good. Awesome. Awesome. So we got a, we got a new book coming. What is the title again? 
the second book is called the necropolis empire awesome mm. and and we did uh uh the fractured void i just cheated um <laughs> and checked it on the bookshelf um do you want to talk a little bit do we want to start off talking about what it was like uh getting into the twilight imperium kind of lore and fiction yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. So I've done some tie-in writing in the past, which might be why they chose me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly for Pathfinder Tales, although I did a Dungeons & Dragons book, too. And so I'm used to approaching these like vast, decades-long mountains oh, yeah. of right. material stuff to do and sorting through it and looking for opportunities to tell stories. And comparatively... Okay, for a board game, there's a lot of lore. Yeah. You know, the Twilight Imperium lore is, this is not like the Ticket to Ride lore, right? This is not a <laughs> lore. Like, this is a large book. But compared to, you know, the entirety of, like, Forgotten Realms, right. it was my head around it, you know? Uh, I could encompass it a little bit. The other nice thing about working on this project was that the lore is really high level, right? Like, the lore is about the movement of empires and, you know... Mm-hmm about rulers you know important individuals but what they wanted me to do fortunately because i don't really do clash of empires books they wanted a small scale you know slice of the galaxy focusing on some particular people moving against this giant backdrop possibly even completely ignorant of huge things in the galaxy because these are people who are just from some place and they know Mm -hmm. what they know they have their little slice of information so i got to really have a good time with the lore and even do some like fun disinformation right they gave me a big pile of stuff this was before the expansion was out so i you know was under strict instructions to not tell anyone any of the stuff that i knew right right you know we talked a lot about what i could incorporate because they wanted me to tease stuff from the expansion right they wanted me to tease some of the new factions and, and things like that which was great because they're very cool uh so putting that together was really fun getting to play with the the limited knowledge and even sort of garbling things or having people make wrong assumptions mm-hmm. about things. That was a ton of fun to play with. I love doing point of view stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. that kind of freedom of like, Oh, this lore is like really kind of grand in scope. Uh, and you are getting to tell like a very specific story. Um, how do you feel about the reception to the first book? Like how, how do you feel about the first book at this point? People have been really welcoming, uh, which is nice. I was a little bit worried that I was going to step on somebody's preference because people feel very strongly about this game, which is understandable. If you're into this game, you spend hundreds of hours playing Mm -hmm. this game and you can be very tightly connected. So for me, a lot of the, the, one of the things I love about Twilight Imperium is that all these factions are playable, right? So in a sense, they can all be protagonists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even sort of the monstery aliens can be protagonists, Mm -hmm. right? So I wanted especially in the fractured void to not so much have, you know, a clash of good and evil. I wanted to have a clash of gray versus gray. Right. right? People who have, I love a story where you have different characters who want things and those things are in opposition to one another. Right. And it's not that one is good or bad. You know, one of my favorite characters is a, is a Letnev, a well, eventually a ship captain who goes out to chase down the scientist in the fractured void. Obviously she's an antagonist, but you can see where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. Right. Like she's trying to do right by her culture, by her polity, and by her own personal career because she's she's a careerist. Uh, whereas you know a lot of stories with these kind of aliens, you're so focused on you know the humans are the center, and then you have these inhuman monsters, right? And I like the opportunity to not center things that way, right? 
Um, so I, that's funny because I actually we wanted to ask you about what it was about um, kind of the because it's obvious that you were kind of looking at the lore of the different factions and you got kind of um, interested in specifically the barony of Letnev um, with this character that um, that you obvi- like even just from reading Fractured Void, it's it's evident that you really like this character. And uh, is it a is it too much to say that this character is going to return in the second book? No, Are we allowed to say that at this the, point? I think, I think that's allowed. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what is it about the Barony of Letnev lore that really like kind of struck out to you? Of like, oh, I'm excited about making a character that's from this culture or this society. You know, originally I chose them pretty much because I knew that my protagonists were going to be Mintak Coalition. It was really mm. about setting up an opposition to that culture. Right. If I had to live in one of these polities, I would probably pick the Mintak Coalition, right? They're, they're cosmopolitan. Yeah. They're different species that get along, right? If you were going to pick somebody to actually rule an empire, maybe the culture that has some experience bringing in <laughs> <laughs> can actually do that. That is proven that they can have sort of a melting pot society. Also, they're pirates. Pirates are cool. Yeah. Uh, and they have the, a sort of looseness to their structure. But it's funny because in a way, they're like a they're like the chaotic mirror to the lawfulness of the Letnev, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're both merit, uh, meritocracies, right? Like the idea is in the Mintak Coalition, my understanding of the lore is that you, you sort of rise by being good at being a raider, right? By being, you know, impulsive, clever, being able to do cool things, right? And the Mintak Coalition is all, or the Barony is also ostensibly a meritocracy, although it has weird aristocratic elements too. Um, a meritocracy in the sense that if you have connections, then you have more merit, right? <laughs> you know, if you, uh, not, not unlike reality. So for me, originally, I wanted the Barony because I thought it was a really nice mirror to the Mintak Coalition. Mm-hmm. Then I started writing Severin. Uh, who's my Letnev character, who, who, as you mentioned, appeared in the second book and will also be in the third book, that we actually sort of occasionally refer to it as the Severin trilogy. Hmm. Um, even oh, though cool. she's she's sort of a minor character, an antagonistic character, a secondary supporting character, especially in the second book and the third book. Um, but she's the through line, right? Like they thought it would mm-hmm. be neat. It's a huge sprawling galaxy, but it's neat to have sort of a through line to the sense that, you know, this is all taking place in the same world. And Sev was the way that we did that. So honestly, that's that was that was why I picked the the barony, because it seemed like a nice foil. But then when I started writing Severin, she just stole every scene that I put her in. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) she's trying so hard to be, you know, an exemplar of what she thinks a letting of person should be right. Militaristic, self-reliant, right. Um, About conquering. You know, uh, the we are the best, like they genuinely believe they are the best. And they have struggled with all sorts of structural things that make their lives really difficult and that require them to be the way that they are. Right. And yet she has this, these, these impulsive things, right? She has this, she has these urges that would almost allow her to fit in, in the Mintech coalition, um, to sort of impulsively do things, to follow these hunches and, uh, to lose her temper in a way that's not kind of that cold rage. Yeah. So part of the fun there was in contrasting the world that she comes from and her desire to excel in that world and to really rise, you know, while also dealing with her own personal impulses, which as a society, it seems to me the Litna kind of want to push those down, right? Like, yeah, be a cog in their machine. Yeah. That's it's fascinating that you kind of found like an inner conflict in the, the, I'm going to take one barony of Litna character and then kind of, because they're coming from the society, it's going to create all of the, these conflicts inherently um are there any factions that you're interested in but they haven't found a good spot yet in 
in the stories that you're trying to tell like it like the something like the arborec where it's like this like giant plant thing <laughs> like has has is there anybody that you're like i i don't have an idea for where they need to go or is it, and again stop me if this is like too much of a future spoiler type thing uh, but is there a faction you're interested in that you don't yet have a spot for i will say you may see some arborec Ooh, uh, okay cool <laughs> It's possible. There's a lot of stuff in book three. There's a lot of different factions. Um, there are too many. I cannot explore all of them. Of course. I can't give them spotlight. Um, you know, I really, I'm sort of a, as a, I'm a science fiction fan, but I really like horror science fiction. You know, I like Dead Space. I like Alien. I like yeah, Alien. Yeah. So the Necrovirus would be cool. Yeah. Right? Um, they're a hard faction to write about from their point of view. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, I did, you know, joke about having like a chapter that was just binary, right? Just that <laughs> was their viewpoint viewpoint chapter, but I couldn't work that out. Um, they would be really fun. Um, the Lizix mind net would be really interesting too, for similar reasons. Right. Um, got uh, somewhat occupies some of the same space, but is more comprehensible. Mm-hmm. But again, it was one where like the storylines just didn't quite work up but i like that idea of the the organic machine interface and the machine that's in opposition to the organic things that stuff is neat it is territory that's been covered in a lot of science fiction sure right but it would have been fun to sort of play homage yeah yeah well i'm excited we got that arborect tease uh, in general. that's pretty good <laughs> it could happen there could be a little arborect. yeah i'm excited about that um so it's it's funny because you kind of started going in a direction i'd like to go now which is to just kind of talk about in general uh, in the world of science fiction, like what authors do you kind of think about as your influences, your kind of uh, guiding lights or whatever, as far as like how you want to write and and what your the types of stories that you want to tell? Uh, it's funny because my background is primarily a, as a fantasy writer, uh, and it I only moved like twenty sixteen or so. I started writing space opera. Um, before that, I was mostly a fantasy writer, but I grew up reading science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And space opera you know i grew up on star wars i watched star trek the next generation with my mom oh heck yeah you know uh (laughs) in terms of literary stuff uh ian banks the culture novels are a huge influence on me in terms of space opera um for older stuff i liked edmund hamilton when i was younger i read a star wolf i had a star wolf omnibus that i read over and over which i thought was really cool and was also about sort of a uh, it was about a human who was raised in an alien culture, right? So you got to have, uh, that's a lot of fun <laughs> to deal with uh, how much of what makes us quote unquote human is really just about cultural stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like kind of the nature of humans is that we're adaptable. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. But uh, <laughs> I also really like M. John Harrison's very weird space operas, the White the White Cat tril- Trilogy the or the Kefahuchi Tract Trilogy, starting with Light and uh, Nova Swing. Those books are just extremely bizarre space opera. Yeah. So, so weird. And uh, honestly, like there's little bits of these things floating around in the DNA of Twilight Imperium mm-hmm. where they're drawing from the same sort of source well. Right. You know, we've got weird space time anomalies in Twilight Imperium, just like we do in in, uh, in John Harrison's space opera. Right. Um, other than that, you know, I, I grew up on, you know, Blade Runner and uh, Black Hole and Doctor Who and all that stuff. Right. And it's yeah. all just a big mishmash in, in my brain. Yeah, um, 
I specifically want to isolate one there that you mentioned that's uh, interesting to me. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's a cool. Um, do people? That's a good show. I have just want to say. Heard, have I? I don't know. If I don't I've know. Ever if heard it, of it's this kind one, of an Hunter. obscure little program. <laughs> um, I just just. Uh, in, I want to indulge this just a second. Um, what would you if we were to talk about writing in relation to uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation? Uh, what's like an episode that you feel from a writing perspective uh, that influences you? Because if we could just get like one episode drop right now, I would just dig that. That'd be fun. Oh, the, the Dr. Moriarty holodeck. Oh my like, God. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, when Moriarty comes out, right? Like, because it was, yes, it was, it was a funny, like cross genre mashup. Yeah. But it also all was interesting stuff about what is life? What is intelligence? Right. Yeah. I also like the ones with, with lore. You know, I always like a dark doppelganger. I like that kind of story a lot. Right. I really like uh, the Moriarty episodes are great because I love I love when Star Trek kind of goes comedy and then like kind of twist it into like a deeper a deeper thing. It's funny you mentioned those too because I'm like building a Star Trek TNG list for Matt. To, he's never seen it. <laughs> I've he's never like watched a, it. It's yeah. like a heathen. Um, <laughs> I can't like deal with this guy. And it's funny because I'm just about to get to like the first Moriarty episode, uh, which is like super. It starts very goofy. Um, and I'm definitely going to make you watch that. Great. I just want to let you know right now that you're, you're, you're definitely watching that one, and you will appreciate it by the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about this? I got I got a new direction for us to go. Let's talk about if so, let's say somebody had never read any of your work before, and then because of Twilight Imperium, they have just encountered it, uh, and they're like hot about it. Where would you kind of direct them to go next, as far as like what's the next Tim Pratt book they should read? The most obvious thing to move to would be my Axiom trilogy because it's space opera. Mm -hmm. It's why I got the Twilight Imperium job. Right? Mm -hmm. It was because they said, oh, this is the kind of stuff that we want to do in gotcha. Twilight Imperium. So the Axiom trilogy started with a book called The Wrong Stars. I say trilogy. There's a fourth book now. It's a collection. So it sort, <laughs> of, sort of makes it still be a trilogy. But it's uh, The Wrong Stars, The Dreaming Stars, The Forbidden Stars, and then the new collection that just came out this spring is The Alien Stars. And uh, it's set about 600 years in the future. Um, there are wormholes that go to other places in the galaxy. We were given this wormhole technology by these aliens, sort of uh, human toddler sized tentacle. Technically, they're not tentacles, um, but they look <laughs> like that uh, we call the liars because everything they've told us about the universe that we can verify turned out to be a lie. <laughs> Culturally, they just make stuff up. And there's a reason that, you know, this gets explored in the trilogy. Like, why are they like this? Mm -hmm. Why do they do this strange thing that they do? But they first came to us and said, oh, we were going to invite you to join this, you know, vast intergalactic confederation. It's going to be wonderful. No, they're the only aliens. Another <laughs> one showed up and said, there are these, there's an invasion. They're coming. You have to, if you give us mercury, we'll help you. And we're like, oh God, sure. Take mercury. And then there's not anything. Like, <laughs> and it, certainly it's con artistry. Like certainly they are telling strategic lies, but also they just, they just confabulate. They just make stuff up. Um, so that was really fun. And it's about kind of a ragtag crew of people who are in kind of this, uh, relatively weak polity out on the edge of the solar system, mm -hmm. the trans Alliance, they're kind of out in the orbit of Neptune and like Jupiter is dominant. The Jovian imperative is the big um, political mm -hmm. power in our solar system because that's where the wormhole gate is. That's where the bridge is, is out there near the orbit of Jupiter. Uh, you know, earth and the moon are kind of hanging on, right? They have some legacy. Mars is kind of doing its mm -hmm. thing. Yes, Earth, there's some legacy there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's kind of like you stay in your hometown, like, really? You're still going to live there? Like, you go through a bridge to, like, these colony, these colony systems. But it's kind of, there's this, it turns out there are other aliens 
the Axiom, this big looming background threat of these incredibly powerful ancient, mostly hibernating, fortunately. My original idea for it was like, if you're sitting out at your picnic table in your backyard and you're having some lunch, maybe a couple of ants come off of the table. Eh, no big deal. You brush them away. Mm -hmm. A few more ants come. Maybe you start to squish them. Thousands of ants start to come. You go track them back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you try to do something about the source. And that's us. Like the humans have gone out where the ants and the galaxy is the Axiom's picnic table. Wow. And as long as there aren't many of us and we're not going very far, they won't notice us. But if they start to notice us, we're kind of beneath their attention. But if, we spread out far enough, then they will they will squish us, and they might come back and light our whole colony on fire. Yeah, cool. That's sort of what the trilogy as a whole is about, is about dealing with this looming background threat. But anyway, that's, I think, kind of the obvious bridge. Most yeah. of the other that I published are, are, like I said, are fantasy, urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy, multiverse stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked the pitch of that. Um, what, uh, so... Some of that stuff in there was pretty funny. Would you say this series has like kind of a light tone or does this also sounds like this could be played very like kind of darker or more almost a like borderline heading towards an apocalyptic direction? Um, so my model for how much humor to put in stuff is uh, like late Terry Pratchett versus early Terry Pratchett. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously nowhere near as good. It's wonderful to be a Pratt and be in the bookstore next to Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> I know if I had to just pick one, right? the Pratt one. But, um, but, you know, the early Terry Pratchett stuff is very funny, lots of puns, very fast-moving, very goofy. And then gradually, especially in Discworld as it moved on, it stayed just as funny, but it had a lot more depth and richness of character stuff. And so that's what I try to do. Like I try to have the humor that arises from the character in the situations, but there's absolutely depth. There's a lot of found family stuff in mm -hmm. uh, the Axiom trilogy. The crew is kind of a, a group of weirdos out on the edge of, you know, inhabited space in our solar system who come together uh, and then stumble upon this terrible secret, which they mm -hmm. then have to, have to cope with. So there's certainly, you know, a lot of, I, I hope humor in the character interactions, but, uh, a lot of depth in terms of the emotional stuff that they have to deal with. And yeah, like in book one, I think my death toll was something like 55,000 people. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not all named characters, but still. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a fun, that's a fun, fun tone thing. Um, I got a, here's a random weird question. I want to ask you um, as someone that, that is writing tie in novels, is there any intellectual property out there that you kind of specifically besides like the big the big stuff is there anything that you're kind of looking at like oh man it'd be cool if i got a hold of this like i had i have an idea for this specific ip or etc anything like that yeah there's a there's a couple of things actually uh i would love to do an arkham horror oh cool. heck yeah 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 um i i love you know it's a, in terms of big strategy games well I mean, it's mostly just a meat grinder, but in terms of big <laughs> games that I play, Arkham Horror is probably the one that I've played the most of. Um, uh, and I, I played the RPG a little bit back in the day, too. Um, so that would be really fun. I, you know, I have written horror. I have some, like, bona fides as a horror writer, but I haven't done horror novels, so mm -hmm. I'm not an obvious person to tap to do that. Mm -hmm. I also haven't done a ton of historical work. I've done a little bit, but again, I'm not maybe the most obvious person. Um Dead of Winter is a cool game that mm. I've really enjoyed playing, but it would be fun to write some Zombocalypse stuff, especially Dead of Winter has that nice mechanic where everybody has the, you know, a secret objective that they're trying to get right. to the detriment of the rest of the rest of the, the players, right? Ostensibly it's cooperative, but in fact it it has this nasty yeah. 
which is really fun to do in fiction. You know, I love a secret agenda in fiction. Yeah, that's great. Um, I got it. So we got a one thing we got to catch up with you on is where you are at, because I was reading through some of the um, older interviews with you from from the first book. um, And people like to ask you, you know, do you play this game? Um, (laughs) And I want to ask at this point, have you played this game? And do you want some help? Like, do you want to play with us or something? (laughs) Like, can we help you in this journey? Uh, I still have not played the game. I have watched some gameplay stuff on YouTube um, just to get a sense of what it is actually like. Mm -hmm. Again, like for the past, I've only just started to venture out of my house at all. Sure. Right. I have been in my house with my family and we do game. You know, we played a lot of Catan. We played a lot of uh, Fury of Dracula, right? Um, We played some Dead of Winter. At this point, um, if someone starts to bring out Catan, there's just preemptive crying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like (laughs) we have sort of scaled actually down away from more complex Uh games. Oh, interesting. Or sort of, you know, it was a long pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) ran really high but as things calm down yeah it's possible that we'll get back into into more dramatic games and be able to play with other people uh, right. it's just the ones who live in my house with me yeah 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 that so makes sense you were saying some stuff uh, about dead of winter that that interests you and you were kind of talking on a mechanical level i'm i'm kind of interested i mean w- without having played it but like you said i mean obviously you've researched the game itself and, and of course researched the lore how much of the gameplay or the themes of the mechanics would you feel you incorporate into uh the novels like how much are you trying to pull from like the vibe of what it feels to play the game or are you more trying to get on the ground with the care you know what's kind of your focus when it comes to translating twilight imperium so the difficult thing about the game is it's so high level right Mm -hmm. it's so so god's eye view that said, when I look at the kind of stuff that the people from the different cultures are going to be doing, I do absolutely look at the the sort of special things that they can do in the game and what their strengths are in terms of using technology mm-hmm. or whether it's militaristic, you know, or whether, you know, whatever it is. And uh, for the third book, especially, I'm looking at, you know, some diplomacy stuff, like ways that I can incorporate some of the like diplomacy card stuff into um the moves that some of the characters from the different cultures will be making. So it is, I mean, weirdly enough, it is like something that I really think about much as if you write like a role-playing game novel and you have a character who's, who's a thief, they're not, you're not rolling dice as you write the book, but you are, <laughs> this is the skill set that they have access to. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, when I'm, when I'm writing about the different cultures, I'm paying attention to the skill sets that they have. Totally. Yeah. Well, so we have, we have one thing um, that I think we need to do this now. Um, <laughs> so we have one thing that, and this is like, just so you know, like Fantasy Flight doesn't listen to our show. Like, so this is off the record, okay? Like, they're not, they're not going to know about what your response is to this. And this is going to be a lot to explain to you real quick. But we actually have a, a faction that we made up, okay? And it is a horse-themed faction. They're, space horses. They're space horses. But they're also kind of like, they're sort of like, they wear those hats like that they bet on horses at a horse track. It's almost like the horses have taken over the the betting aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And if there is a way, and this is a big favor. I understand what I'm asking <laughs> of you. This is not like this is not cool. Like let's just be let's just be fair. This is not cool. But if there's a way that you can sneak some sort of 
kind of horse nod in there past the i mean i know fantasy flight they're probably they're probably riding you around you know what i mean like they're they're looking at everything they're saying "Uh uh-oh not this this is not how it works here or whatever and you don't you can just say no here but we'll know maybe it's gonna happen you know if there's an organic opportunity arises (laughs) naturalistically in the course of writing book three yeah uh, i will absolutely keep horses in mind (laughs) horses don't a lot in my space opera writing. I have to keep that. Um, that said, if, if it seems like a natural place, then yeah. I'll see it. I mean, we would go wild, and the audience <laughs> would pretty much go wild too. I mean, it would be. I mean, we'd be. It'd be a stampede practically <laughs> to the bookstore over that. Basically, how dare you? <laughs> uh, well, Matt, do you do you have anything specific you want? To go? We I, got the horse thing in. We that got was the big, horse thing in. That's like the main here. check mark that I, I needed on the list. So, Tim, I, I want to thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, you know, we 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 loved book one. I'm I'm loving book two even more. I'm I'm not super far, but even just like straight from the outset, I'm already connecting with characters more. Very very excited for book two, and obviously I, we I, can't I, wait for three. I think I like book two better. I kind of have that thing where I always like the book I just wrote best. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. thing. But there were, I got to do a lot of things in book two that I really enjoyed. Do I have another minute to, to totally. totally. Yeah. yeah I, uh, so I sort of think of them in terms of the, the genre tropes that I wanted to play with in that particular volume. And obviously there's a lot of feedback from the game devs, right? Like I threw a bunch of ideas out and they're sure. like, well, maybe this one, this one, and this one. Right. But so the first one was very much, I just wanted to do like, chases in space right i want to do heists yeah. mm-hmm. and chases. and the first one is heists and chases which are great they're genres that i love it was a ton of fun to do that uh the second one honestly it kind of plays with more like fairy tale tropes um like lost heir lost princess kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and then i subvert it right like i twist it you know nothing is like what it seems yeah. but I got, to, I got to start on a planet in book two i got to start with somebody who is not like really recognizably a member of any of the cultures, uh-huh. right? Who lives on this backwater. And so everything is new to her, right? Everything she learns about. And she's so easy to lie to, yeah. right? She's so easy <laughs> to at least try to deceive her, right? Uh, so that's a really fun kind of character for me to write. And it has sort of coming of age elements and stuff like that. So it's a really different approach than I took in the first one. And that was part of what was fun, right? Yeah. Like what I love twilight imperium is it's this vast world where you can tell all these different kinds of stories right that's why i liked writing pathfinder tales too it was the same sort of deal it's a world that's really huge where you can approach things from with all these different kinds of genre techniques and play with all these different tropes and so the fact that fantasy flight is happy to let me come into their world and you know come at things with these different tropes has made it really fun yeah what's the if you are able to tease it and maybe you don't fully know but what's the genre you're kind of hoping to play with uh for book three Book three has a ton of espionage stuff. Cool. Ooh, heck yeah. Um, a lot of diplomacy and a lot of uh, a lot of espionage, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, this is uh this I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. Um thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. Okay, and that was Tim. Thanks, Tim. That yeah. was great. I I look forward to having him on more. I mean he's now a He's now a part of the story of ongoing exploits within the CIA universe, and I think we will see him many times more in the yeah. future. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was super. It was it was fun to do a, an interview episode. Yeah, uh, we recorded the interview, 
before we recorded us recording the errata mm-hmm. and i just realized we've now talked about star trek the next generation twice i know it's episode. a tng episode <laughs> like that's what's so cool about it is it's got this kind of tng thread going i think they would let us get away well like once because i've been working on this i talked about this on stream i'll, I'll go ahead and just like kind of uh i'm working on a big project where I am watching through, uh, yeah, sorry, you're going to get more TNG talk. Um, <laughs> I am watching through Star Trek The Next Generation from the beginning, and I'm making, uh, you can find on the internet where people have made like lists of like, here's, the I cut watch. out the bad episodes, uh-huh. here's my list, and none of them are sufficient to me because yeah. I feel like they cut out too many of the quote-unquote bad episodes, uh, and they cut out some context that helps uh, good or middling epi- episodes shine even brighter. So I am building my own list of um, episodes uh, to watch of TNG that give you, I think, the sufficient amount of context yeah. and also still include uh, either good, mostly good to middling yeah. uh, episodes. Uh, obviously, TNG has a problem with the the first season is very bad. Everyone says it's bad and doesn't like it. So I'm making a list format, perhaps... When Matt starts watching yeah. it, we will do an episode. I about don't. It. There's absolutely no, the, the TNG is from a bygone era where TV shows were wicked, stupid, crazy long, and there was yes. and because it was just it was just a thing that came on TV sometimes. And now we're in the world of like, no, I have to watch every single inch of this. Yeah, but that requires a level of commitment people in the 90s uh did not have to do well and it's it's well known in in like tng circles that if you're trying to get someone new to watch yeah. star trek the next generation Don't start them at the beginning you of the start show. them at the beginning there's a good chance they might bounce off right and plenty of people in the 90s that's not how they experienced no the show. i didn't they, you I... jump on in season four because oh you just heard about this show that's getting yeah. pretty popular right <laughs> right and so it's funny too because like when i was watching it on tv as a kid it was like i was putting the story of the show together piecemeal uh-huh. and like backwards in some ways <laughs> right. and like yeah if anything that needs to be my experience is i'm gonna take whatever list you give me and i'm gonna <laughs> sort it through a random number generator and watch the episodes in just a that new order be, that you don't that would give be me. pretty close to <laughs> what it was like watching it as a kid on uh, TV as like reruns and stuff. Um, any, do we want to talk more about Twilight Imperium or do we want to get back on? on I think focus this is a new here? show. I think we're yeah. just going to start doing a TNG podcast. Yeah, there's wanna... not enough of those, huh? <laughs> yeah. I want to thank our weird bears, Farganess, Squeamish Emu, Billy, Botbot, Brassbird, Brian, Kalu and Kraken, John, Son of Leto, Mate Nason, Sunfax, Absol, Brodul, Arwise, Fweddy, TG Welch, and Rumor Hippo. And I want to thank our little peace turtles, Patience is a Virtue. My son is also named Bor, Anvilir, Alpha Squid, Dark Jutsu, Frank G, Gaskio, Goondock, Rekka, Carnal. Istoria, King Scout 64, Alice, Naderade, Nick, Uncle Batty, and Teddy's Jam for you. Was it was it just me or in the middle of the Weird Bear stuff? Did you just go? There were four B names. Oh, you were making fun of that. Okay, it was a bit about the B names: Billy, Bumbot, Brassbird, and Brian. Yeah, I sorry, I thought someone like bring me a bucket. I thought you were like doing. I thought someone asked you to like pronounce their name that way. Nope. Um, anyways, we got. Uh, we actually forgot to get the Galactic Council poll out right away last week. It's out now. I promise. Yeah. Uh, here are your choices uh, for the Galactic Council episode. That has. I will say this will this the flexibility on this one is uh, turned up to maximum. Yeah. As far as when you get this, it'll be after the finals. Probably. That's the guarantee. Yeah, I'm not recording. Oh no, definitely. I said not, probably, yeah. definitely. I'm yeah. not recording a bonus episode until the finals are done. That's so true. Um, okay, so here's your here are your options. We got uh, tournament structure, 
uh, past and future. We talk about overview of uh, past tournaments, what we liked, what we disliked about how they went down structure-wise, and then we kind of just like theorycraft uh, the future of the Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament. Um, the second option is our Oath Chronicle so far where we uh, give you an update on our Oath Chronicle, but Chronicle gives us a reason to play more Oath uh, and just kind of update you on it. Yep. Um, the third option is the fun one, Improvise, a Twilight Imperium spinoff game. We will uh, take uh, topics from the audience of like different weird TI stuff we could do, and we just start making up ideas. Uh, and then we send that pitch to Fantasy Flight, <laughs> and they say no. Uh, <laughs> they don't la- even respond our, to our call. <laughs> hey, no, don't be too real about it. Um, last option uh best tournament factions we talk about what factions we feel like do uh the best in the space cats peace turtles tournaments and maybe why yeah um guild uh don't even want to talk about y'all uh we're gonna we're we're gonna get it done it's gonna happen also we're gonna after the finals up. basically i don't know point. when yeah. don't, i don't no commitments yeah. it will happen yeah. um omega mex is uh the new uh component that you can start throwing in extra stuff in we're going to collect all the stuff that we've been collecting yep. and we will do one big uh blowout homebrewers guild game it is gonna happen at some point yep. i promise i'll die before it doesn't happen <laughs> here's the part where matt from the future comes in and once again tells you what time the game of the finals is i don't know whenever the finals is it's n- this moment august 7th 1400 UTC. You dummies. Okay. So that was great. Matt from the future. Love you. Miss you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, YouTube. Check out the semifinals uh, being slammed onto there. Um, And that's pretty much it for that. Yeah. Uh, And you can find more about our show on our website that is, uh, as some people have noted on the Discord recently, somewhat embarrassingly kind of outdated. Sorry. I'm not embarrassed. (laughs) This isn't a website. This is a podcast. This Leave is a two-man operation. We have a single website that is just designed to get you to the Patreon and or Twitter remind, or Discord. You know what I love about it is it reminds you of the Arborex yep. strategy guide <laughs> from a very long time ago. <laughs> because pre POK. At one point, we had an idea that I, I would update that website every single week. No way. And that did not even sort of happen. Yeah. That didn't even kind of happen. Right. Uh, so, but yeah. you can find stuff about our merch and everything else there. We got a new shirt coming very, 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 very and soon. And it's so cool. Yeah. It's crazy cool, the new shirt. Uh, and that we will make sure that it is uh, good, like on the good stuff for um, Threadless yeah. and not the bad stuff. We're still trying to figure out like exactly how to get Threadless mapped right. It yeah. is on the list. There's like, imagine when we're doing the tournament that there's like this list of like things yeah. that I have where I'm like, this is all the stuff that we're going to do as soon as we have some like time after this tournament yeah. like website and threadless is like right up at right. the top and also i have a bunch of stuff to mail to people which is what's, great what's wild is second on that list constantly is talk more about star trek the next generation yeah it just well, all it falls down and then it just like as soon as we start talking about anything else it just yeah. you watch it on the ticker he has a little it's thing that good. shows what the list and you watch it take itself it's like an ai it brings itself to the second position. it's pretty good uh and it's a uh, man it's so fun to watch that show uh thinking about what I want to force on you yeah. and what I don't. I have like, I'm like, I'm almost, excited when I start, when you finish the list and I start watching it, I will give routine updates. Oh, I guarantee it'll be like a segment on the yeah. show. I'm so excited. I, we teased in the recent game. It was you, me and EJ sitting around doing game two. Uh, if you watch that game on YouTube, uh, it's a great game, but also I'm a little bit. I'm sorry because <laughs> you just watch, you listen to Matt Hunter and EJ just sort of chill <laughs> yeah. for like six hours, which has its own energy. And I think we teased the idea of like maybe we should just do a a a, a podcast 
each week what we just talk for an hour about anything and Ooh. nothing and it's just our it's just our three guys that want to see each other more often yeah do podcast. you do you want and because this would just be for y'all actually this would be there's no way this would not get any outside no listeners. this would this would get 400 downloads a week <laughs> and that's it and that's pretty good, actually, and, for a hangout podcast. Yeah, that's not, not bad. bad. That's not bad. There'd be some people. Ooh, I'm excited. We are literally teasing extra shows at the end of this one. Yeah, this as if great. we have time for more projects. We don't. Hey, <laughs> we do not. Uh, but we're gonna do it anyways. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>